Bye. 
knows what his testimony is, but Ernest had been very sick in 2019. I went and visited him in the hospital, and I was told that even when I went, he looked better. It was not easy. He has been down and below, and today, God has added another year to his life. And so, if you have never seen an example of a living testimony, here is one. And he is in our church here. God healed him in our church here. And so, the miracle working Jesus, he's here. There is no situation that he cannot heal. For the past week, I have spent the entire week in a hospital because my grandmother was on admission. And you can imagine, this guy was lying in Kolibu. We hear all sorts of crazy stories about Kolibu. Enes has gone and come to thank God. What excuse do you have? Enes, we thank God for your life. We just want to pray with Enes, thanking God for another year and for good health. Shall we pray? Our God and Master Jesus Christ, we thank you for the life of your son. We pray that you will perfect his healing. And we pray that you will have him grow from strength to strength in him. May his testimony not remain only in this church, but may he take it to the ends of the world, that indeed he serves a healing Jesus. Amen. Oh, I asked you to wait. There's a, there's a song that I want to sing. I don't know how the song begins, but it says... Minya me a jane in me fear. Now where are they, young copon? Now would they my bed?
for the opportunity to share your word and to learn from you. Sweet Spirit of the living God, I pray for your presence. I pray for your utterance. I pray that you will touch the hearts of your children with this word. I pray, O oh Lord, that we'll have a joyous time in your presence. I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You all see why I'm not in the choir, right? Anyway, so... Um, Acknowledgements first. I'd like to thank Pastor Felix for doing this to me all the time against all my protests. Please put your hands together for Pastor Felix for me. You know, um, in the Bible, when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, and um, Isaac asked, where, where is the ram? And then they turned around and it was in the, in the bush. I will assume that that ram was kicking and screaming, and that's how come they noticed that it was there at a certain point. That ram that was kicking and screaming has been me for the past only God knows how long. But some way, somehow, I am here. And I'd also like to specially acknowledge my friend at the back, Mrs. Emma Otu. About two weeks ago, she called me in the morning and said, 
I had a dream that you were standing in front of some people talking to them. And I said, hey, ah, well, I'm supposed to be preaching soon, so maybe that's it. And then she said, I'll come. So when she called me that she was here this morning, I was shocked. But the last time I was here, I was telling you that the kind of friends that you have is very important. God places certain people in your life for a very good reason. Friends are important. Friends that you can learn from and they in turn learn from you. So if you are not giving anything to your friend and getting anything in return, then you have to reevaluate your friendship. And it's not, I'm not talking about material gifts, you know. I'm talking about uplifting each other, building each other up in one way or the other. Then that friend is not, it's an acquaintance, it's not a friend. And that woman over there is my friend. Hallelujah. All right, so today is International Women's Day. I don't know if Pastor Felix intentionally put me here because it is International Women's Day. Um, it is the day that is set aside to celebrate women and our achievements all over the world. So the chart is not very clear, but I'm a firm believer in um, you can only dream as far as your eyes can see. So if you live in a village where you've never seen a medical doctor, how do you dream to be a medical doctor? Unless the Holy Spirit shows it to you in a dream. If you have never traveled to see a skyscraper, you can never imagine that there's a skyscraper somewhere in the world. It will sound very abstract to you. And so you can only dream as far as your eyes can see. The things that you perceive, the things that your mind captures are the things that you press on towards. And so I'm sure that for each and every one here, if I ask you what your career goals are, what do you want to be in future? You tell me you want to be an economist, you want to be a banker, you want to be whatever it is. It is because you have seen somebody or you have seen something in that profession, in that regard, which is the reason why you are pressing on towards that, isn't it? And so today I decided that I was going to tell you about um, a little bit about 50 women across Africa who Forbes has um, singled out as outstanding women. Unfortunately, there is no Ghanaian woman on that 50 woman list. Not as, amen, I receive it. <laughs> Not a single one. There are about um, 18 or 19 of them from South Africa alone, and then 10 of them from Nigeria then one or two from other countries like Tanzania, Kenya, those other countries. Even Burundi has somebody on that list. Benin, Gambia, all of those places have people on that list. But Ghana, didn't, nobody made it onto the list for this 2019-2020 compilation. And um, one of them, one of the 50 women, has been crowned Forbes' most influential or Outstanding Entrepreneur of the year 2019-2020, and she's a Nigerian. Her name is, um, why, have I, why has her name escaped me so, so, so immediately? Anyway, let me tell you a bit about her. Pastor Felix and I, some time ago, were discussing that, you know, Proverbs um, 4.13, we, we really can't find women fitting wholly into that category. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Most of the time you'll find that they say that a woman cannot have it all. You cannot be a very successful woman in career and still be a very successful woman in the family, having taken care of your children, none of them going wayward, every one of them succeeding, 
and at the same time also be in ministry and be leading people to Christ and also have a husband. All the time when you check some of these women, you see that they don't have a husband, they didn't have children, they, didn't, they, they abandoned career for ministry only or something of the sort. But Adejumoke Adenowo, that's her name. She is a prophet of God. She is the founder of a, a ministry called Awesome Treasures. I had the pleasure of sitting under her ministry about two or three years ago when she came to minister at one of Eastwood Annabeth's summits. Powerful, excellent woman of God. At the same time, she is an architect. Currently, she is um, a visiting professor in one of the universities in the UK. Her two children, one of them is in the university, one of them has just completed his master's. She is still married to her husband. She checked all the boxes. And for me, it says that we can do all things. The Bible didn't exclude women when he said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so, my fellow ladies, I'm challenging you today. You can do all. Don't let anybody deceive you. You can check all the boxes. You can have a good marriage. You can have all the children. You can have a good career. You can still be in ministry. You don't have to give up one for another. Because God is able, his hand is not too short to give you the strength to empower you to do what it is that you need to do. Come 2020, 2021, when Forbes compiles the list, it is my prayer that there will be a Ghanaian woman on the list. And it is my prayer that that Ghanaian woman will come from Calvary Baptist Church. In fact, it must not only be one. We must stop South Africa eventually. We have so many, so much potential sitting here. There is not a single lady sitting here. I'm looking around. There is not a single lady seated here who has nothing going on for them. Just say, when you wake up in the morning, you don't have anything to do. You don't have a degree. You don't have a diploma. You don't have anything. Is there anybody here like that? Not a single one. So the sky is our limit. Amen. All right. Let's go to today. What it is that Pastor Felix has made me come and stand here to do. My sermon title today is Giving All and Giving Well. Please, can we go to the first slide? I thought that the gentlemen here would want to put their hands together for the ladies. I forgot. It's not loud enough. I don't know if you will stand up and clap for the ladies as well. And maybe you turn to one of them and tell them that I believe in you. The sky is your limit. Please don't be jealous of us. And they say that it is only um, when Mother's Day is celebrated so broadly and they make so much noise. And then there's International Women's Day and then the men are not celebrated. All the things that we have done for you. This small celebration that you celebrate us to. Wonderful. All right, so our scripture was taken from the book of First Chronicles, from, um, we read from verse 10 to 20, and it essentially was a prayer that David said um, before he died. Now, as we all know, David is widely touted as 
a man who was after God's own heart. Can you imagine somebody saying that, Reginald, you are a man after God's own heart? It's heavy. And David, up to today, from the time the Bible was written, we still say that David was a man after God's own heart. So David, out of the abundance of love that he had in his heart for God, he decided that he was going to build a temple. Some versions of the Bible describe it as a, a palatial structure. Now, I don't know if you've been to anybody's home before and thought that, wow, Charlie, this thing, people really, they really built it all. They really, really put money inside. I mean, we're all watching Kenzie 2020 on Instagram and thinking how, Charlie, the people have spent money, isn't it? And so you can imagine, David had set out that he was going to build a magnificent edifice. There's a church in Accra that I went to, and I was shocked. Charlie, pardon me, but the whole church was air-conditioned. I couldn't believe it. But, you know, you could tell that the, the, the seeds, everything was well thought about. Like when you come to this church, it's not easy to build a, a church for God. Somebody decided that we'll put a gallery here. We'll mount the stage this way. We need a, the choir to sit here. Somebody thought about every single detail. And the person had it in mind that he was doing it for God. That's how David was thinking, that he was going to build a whole palace, a whole temple for God. Fortunately or unfortunately, God decided that he would let it fall on his son Solomon, rather. So when you read a little before the verse 10 that we read, you'll see that God had told him that it was for his son Solomon to build, rather. And so guess what David did? Because he loved God so much and he was so eager to build, and he loved his son, he provided every single thing that Solomon would need to build the temple. He provided the best of everything. He thought all the way to the carpenters that would knock the wood and set them aside, that these are the people that you will use to do that. He thought to the people that will mix the concrete and the mortar, designated them, thought about the nails that will be used, thought about the kind of material, the kind of cushions, the kind of iron, the kind of brass, every single little detail. He thought about all of it, and then he provided it all. Then he said the prayer that we read from verse 10 to 20. Now, one thing that stands out to me at that point is that David was a, a really good father, and there's a lot that we can learn from that. You know, he thought that, wow, the temple that I want to build is over and above. I'm building something over the top for God. Solomon was his 10th son. David had even more children after Solomon, but Solomon was number 10, according to the Bible. And he decided that this task is huge. So he's going to make preparation for Solomon to make it lighter for Solomon, to make it easier for him to build the temple for him. And then even when he was praying, he even prayed for his son on top. Let me tell you what I noticed there. This was a man that really loved his son. He didn't say that, okay, well, God says that it's not for me to build, and so let me just leave it for my son Solomon to build. He made the necessary preparations. He laid the foundation for his son to be able to stand tall upon it. There is a, a chef called Gordon Ramsay. The other day, I was watching an interview that he did, and he said that nobody left an inheritance for him. He struggled to get to where he is and to make the name that he's made for himself and acquire all the wealth that he has acquired for himself. 
And so he has decided he's not leaving any inheritance for his children. They too, he has equipped them, taking them to school and giving them all the tools that they need to succeed in life. So they too, they should build their own wealth. Now, on the face of it, it's not wrong, isn't it? Because he has equipped them. They can build their own wealth. But there is a reason why God sent his son to come and lay the foundation for us to be able to thrive on. There's a reason why David decided that he will lay a foundation for his son Solomon to stand upon. So please, when you get to a certain point where you are able to help others, look back and help the other people behind you. If you are an older brother, an older sister, you have siblings behind you, help them along the way. Pull them along. Don't say that, well, me, this thing that you are doing, I did it and mommy beats me and I learned from it, so I'll leave you to do it so that mommy will beat you, then you learn from it. Correct them. If you are a parent, lay the foundation for your children. Acquire the property, put it in their names so that when they grow up, they don't have to go and parent. Daddy already built a house for me. Mommy already gave me a car. As church members, if you are in a position, in a place where you can help your fellow church members, God put you there for a reason. Don't say that, well, you two, go and find your way. Go and struggle and come and get. If you can help, help the other people behind you. We, don't, we are not an island. God didn't create us as, as, as islands to be isolated from each other. He created us to, to live together, communal living, so that we can help each other along the way. Hallelujah. Am I preaching to somebody? Don't forget the people that are behind you. Help them along the way. Make sure that you create an environment that other people can also stand tall on. Build the blocks for them. Because you suffer doesn't mean that another person must also suffer. Amen. All right. So, that was David's prayer. David, as, as mighty as he was, as outstanding as he was, David, the magnificent king, all the conquests, magnificent warrior, capturing here and there, slaying these people, not the other slay, not the one I've done today, the, the slaying that... So, slaying here and there, um, looting, building... I mean, David did really well. But in all of that, he didn't let his strength and his conquests and all of that go into his head. David remembered in his prayer, he said that, Lord, there is nothing that we have that you have first not given unto us. He came back to give thanks. He came back to acknowledge the person who gave him everything and who made him who he is. Now, um, let me make a distinction between somebody in authority giving instructions and um, acting in his usual authority and somebody being arrogant. David was not arrogant, but at the same time, he was still a king. And so you can still be a youth president, you can still be usher's president, or whatever it is, and still act in your authority, but still be humble. Hallelujah. 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 Where, is, where are all of you? Hallelujah. So you can still be humble. You can still ask somebody, you can still say as youth president that, my brother, I want you to sit on the camp committee. But, and that is acting in your authority. But then in the, at the same time, still be humble about it and still remember that where you are is not just by your own 
it's not, it's, fine, it's not just, it's not by your own anything. It is God that has placed you on that pedestal. Amen. So let's distinguish. My sermon title is Giving All and Giving Well. And so it, it's, 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 it's important that we look at giving well and giving all, what the distinction between it, if any, at all is. My dear, shall we move on? Okay. So when we say that you have given well, and then we say that you have given all, none of it is bad. None of it is technically lesser than the other. For instance, um, I, could, I could be here. I'm standing here today and speaking to you all. I've done well, isn't it? Haven't I done well? Oh, please put your hands together for me if I've done well. I'm standing here looking at all these plenty faces. It's not a joke. You don't know how I'm sweating under my dress standing here, but I'm here anyway. But I could have been doing it half-heartedly. I could have chosen to just come and stand here, not really say anything and all of that. But you have no idea how I put my all into coming to stand here today because I knew that I'm coming to stand before the royal priesthood, a chosen generation, joint heirs with the Father. If ever you look down on yourself, remember that today I told you that I was honored to come and stand before you, who is a royal priesthood, you, who is a holy generation, you, who is a joint heir. Amen? Amen. All right, so the Bible gives us very classic examples of when you give well and when you give all. Let's look first at um, Mark chapter 12 from verse 41 to 44. Can you give me Mark chapter 12 from verse 41 to 44? Mark chapter 12, verse 41 to 44. Okay, sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, I assure you, this poor widow has put in more than all those giving to the empty, to the, giving to the temple treasury. For they all gave out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she possessed, all she had to live on. Now, the, the people that gave plenty, I'm sure we all have certain image, images of um, this story in our minds, either from Sunday school or something. You have it in your mind that there's these rich men, imagine, like I like imagery, so pardon me, in their big agbada, three-piece, immaculate suits, crisp, coming, you know, you know how rich people have a certain swag about them. I don't know if you have seen any rich people, but rich people have a certain swag about them. And then imagine that they came with all that's their swag and walked in and put the money. Even if, like, there are some people that, even if you don't know, you don't know them from anywhere, you can smell the money on them. You know, when you see them now, you can tell that this person is money. So they walk by, and you may not even see how much it is that was in their hand. Because from, if you look at it, again, imagine, Jesus was standing, let's go back to the very first one. Jesus was standing in the corner of the temple somewhere. He wasn't standing right by, he was sitting across from the temple treasury. So he wasn't sitting by the offering bowl. He couldn't really see inside. And I don't think that at the time, their offering bowls were transparent. 
But well, Jesus, Jesus could have had x-ray vision as well. He was Jesus, isn't it? <laughs> so he, 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 didn't, he wasn't really seeing inside the offering bowl, but he could tell that these were rich people who were putting money inside. Like I'm sure when they walked past him, he could smell the money on them. The 200 Ghana CD notes and that kind of thing. They were doing very well. There was nothing wrong with what they did. Absolutely nothing. I mean, if you have it, give, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with, what's, with the giving that they were, they were giving. They did very well. They gave out of their abundance. Probably, these are people that are worth, if they are worth 100 Ghana. Oh, 100 Ghana is small. Let's say they are worth a million Ghana cities. And they gave 10,000 Ghana cities as offering. You can't say they haven't done well. Would you, would you say that? They've done really well. But what made this woman's own stand out was that she really didn't have as much as they had, but she gave all that she had. So she had done well too, but she distinguished her wellness by giving all. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? She had done equally as well as they did. In the, um, on the line of equals, there's, the, there's somebody who, is, who stands out. So we're all great and wonderful here. But certain people will stand out in our midst eventually. We are all very wonderful, learned, um, educated people here. But not all of us will stand out. We have, in, in certain things, you have to do something extra to be able to stand out. So we, cannot, we, we are not saying that the other rich people didn't do well. But this woman stood out by the mere fact that she gave all that she had. She gave all that she had. And that's what Jesus calls us to do every single day. Every single day, you give him your all. You don't give him some of it. Or you can give him some of it. But even in that some of it that you are giving him, is it your, are you standing out in it? So we are all ushers in the church. But somebody decides that ushers are supposed to come at 9 o'clock every day. Somebody decides that well, everybody else comes at 9. When we come, we all do our duty as we are supposed to. But I will come at 8.30 and start the work for the other people before they come. They are all doing well, but somebody has stood out. We are all students. We are all supposed to make good grades. We are all supposed to do things in a certain way. But you decide that, well, prep time is from... Let me not say prep time. We are way above prep time. Study time is from 7 to 8 p.m., and then we go to bed and start the routine again. But I've, you have decided that you will spend some extra one hour to stand out. We are all doing well, but you have done extra. You have run the extra mile. Let's look at Cain and Abel, another very classic example of giving well and then the person that gave all. So Genesis 4, 3 to 5. Please give me Genesis 4, 3 to 5. For they all gave out, oh, these people too, don't be doing that to me. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious and downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you furious and why are you downcast? 
If you do right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire for you must, you must master it. So, the last time I was here, I told you, um, I had an imagery from Sunday school that I realized was not, was distorted. Again, Sunday school, they made it seem like the produce that Cain offered was some rotten ones, be the rotten ones in his. I don't know how many of you thought that in Sunday school. Wow, look at that. But let's go back. Go back to, go back to that, that scripture and, let's, and let's, let's, let's see if it was rotten, that rotten produce that he brought. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. There's nowhere in there that said that the produce was rotten. I don't know where we got that from, but somehow we all had that imagery in mind. So he brought some of his produce. Whether it was rotten or not, the Bible didn't say. So let's just imagine that he was, he's a farmer, and he brought some of what he produces, a bit of cassava. And I, I always thought it was cassava and plantain that he brought. <laughs> I always thought it was cassava and plantain that he brought. So let's take to, he brought a bit of cassava, he brought a bit of plantain, Around that time, I don't, maybe the Bible scholars will be able to tell us what the staple foods were at that time. So he brought some of it. And then Cain, um, his brother Abel, who was, um, how do you call it? He, he used to rear animals, also brought the fat portions of it, of his produce. So technically, Cain didn't really do bad. He did bring some. It's like you have earned your salary. You earn 2,000 Ghana cities, and you have brought God 200 Ghana cities. Your tithe on it, isn't it? You haven't really done bad. But Abel decided that he will bring 1,800 and keep 200 for himself. That's what he did. And that's what made his offering stand out. He brought the fattiest part, the juiciest part of it. So they both did well, but somebody did all. Somebody stood out. Do you understand? Do you get my point? They both did well, but somebody stood out. Somebody gave all to God. Somebody didn't think, he didn't think twice about it. He didn't, there, there was no, I, I don't think there, it was, it was, there was any inhibition, there was any, he just gave all to God. And the reason for this is what? Love, but I'll come to love. Let's look at the third example that I gave in 2 Corinthians from chapter 8, from verse 11 to, um, to 13. Second Corinthians chapter 8, from verse 11 to 13. All right, now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give accordingly to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this was Paul. He was speaking to the church in Macedonia about their giving. The church in Macedonia was very generous um, in, 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 in giving when you read the whole of chapter 8. And Paul was commending them 
for their giving. And he was even pointing out to them that they really don't have much, but even in their little, they are very generous. And he made a very important point that I want to highlight here. So today I'm not talking about giving your money. I'm talking about every other giving. Okay, I'm not talking about giving your money. I'm talking about every other giving. And I want to reiterate the advice that he gave. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. So I'm not coming here to tell you to go and give what you do not have, to go and borrow and give, to go and spend before you even receive. You give in proportion to what you have because God doesn't measure the quantity of what it is that you are giving. He looks at the quality of it. I didn't add the man on the air, Papa. The quality of what you are giving. And the church in Macedonia, when Paul was speaking to the church in Macedonia, he reminded them that they should give in proportion to what they have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. So again, the motive for which you are giving what you give is what it says that is important. The, most, the reason why you are giving, you are doing it well, but when you are doing it over and above, you are standing out, what is the motive? What is the reason why you are doing? And he also said that it will come a time when, when you don't have and somebody that you have will give to you. Just as now you have and you are giving to somebody else. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's move on to the next slide. <clears throat> Oh, yes, I was going to talk about Ananias and Sapphira. Um, just in, 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 in reference to um, integrity, when you are give, giving well and giving all. You know, we all know the story of Ananias and Sapphira, isn't it? Who doesn't know? Okay, good. So, you know that they were not integrous people. And as children of God, we have to be integral. Integrity is when, the simplest definition I can give you, today... What it is that you do, who it is that you are, tomorrow you are the same person to every other person. You maintain the same standard. So today you are honest, you are dedicated, you are um, time conscious, you are trustworthy. Tomorrow to another person, you cannot be something else. You maintain the same standard. Integrity is maintaining the same standard to every other person at every other time. So in church, you are not one person. At home, you are a different person. At work, you are a different person. In school, you are a different person. The Araba that you see here should be the same Araba that you see wherever else. Amen. So Ananias and Sapphira, they did not give well, neither did they give all. They came and lied. Nowhere other than in the temple of God. Can you imagine? So let's go back to, like I said, I like imagery. Imagine. They came in, came and gave just a fraction of what it is that they went to sell. They were asked, and each of them lied one after the other. And then right there in the temple of God, God struck them down. Just like that. And then their bodies were dragged out. So it is important. Remember Ananias and Sapphira. Every time that you are tempted to compromise your integrity, especially when it comes to money, especially when it comes to money, the world is quick to highlight when children of God, people of God, believers, are caught in a web of unintegrity. The world is quick to make the most noise about it. They are looking for the least excuse. Don't be caught. Don't do it. 
You can imagine if a man of God today, a popular man of God today, we hear that um, he has been embezzling church funds. For the rest of the week, we will forget national agenda and it will be what everybody will talk about. That uh, as for the men of God of today, they cannot be trusted. And these are the people that claim they go to church. They are very quick. They are looking for us all. Very, very quick to talk about you and I. To point out and to highlight and to find the things that we are not supposed to be doing that we have done. One small slip. The standard of Christianity is high. We are told we are supposed to be the salt and the light of the world. Salt doesn't lose its taste. Light doesn't lose its, its potency. It may dim. But even what makes it dim? Something must make it dim. At all times, it shines. It's supposed to be bright when it is put out. You are the salt. You are the light. At every point in time, don't let somebody keep adding water to your salt so that it will change taste. Don't let somebody keep putting a blanket over your light so that the light will be dim. Somebody gives you money, let it get back to the person the way in which it was given to you. Somebody gives you a responsibility. Make sure that you execute it in the way that you were expected to. At work, you were given a job description. In that job description, in every job description is any other duties as they may deem fit. But you will remember when they give you some duty that is not specifically spelled out in the job description, say that it was not in my JD. Yet any other duties covers it all. At work, stand out. Keep your integrity. Don't, when, they, when a report is required of you and you haven't done it, don't say that you have done it. Be honest. Keep your integrity. That is, even in that, you are giving unto God by giving your integrity in, at the workplace and you are inspiring others. I always say that you don't know who is watching and who is being, who your Christian life is inspiring them also to be a better Christian. Somebody is always watching. Somebody will, there's a time will come when somebody will say that, oh, sister, we, me pena sempa, or yo, why, why would somebody say that about you? Because they have seen the light in you. They have tasted the salts that you have. And so they know that, ah, sister, we, bra, we, or you good. Bra, we, or you good, pants. Because they have seen the salts that, that you have. They have seen the light. Please, let us maintain our integrity. Hallelujah. 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 All this plenty talking, I was waiting for you to go to the next slide. Though. Thank you. All right. So I've said so much about um, giving well, giving all, what it means. Now I have a question for you up there. What or how much are you willing to give for love? Love is the basis of everything. Love is the reason why you and I are here. For God so loved the world. John 3.16, that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes, please, I want you to finish it for me. Whosoever believes shall, but, wonderful. So, God first gave, but what was the reason for which he gave? It's because he loved us. Excess love, daddy. He loved us. He loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. Now, look at when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. The man, imagine again, a father who has suffered for his son. Son wasn't coming. Then came, um, came his servant, 
and that's all, all that episode. Now he has flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. And then you're asking him to go and give. We can imagine that on the trip to where they were going to sacrifice, he didn't say anything to his son. I don't think they were chatting heartily along the way and talking about today. So today when he went into the, 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 the chicken coop, how many chickens did you see? At that time, there was no Netflix for them to discuss what they saw on Netflix, isn't it? Or <laughs> there was no sports highlights for them to discuss Man United and Chelsea whilst they were going up the hill. Because the, 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 the task ahead lay heavy on the heart of the man. This is your only son, and you are going to sacrifice him. And I can imagine the sigh of relief that he heaved when he saw the ram in the thicket. You can imagine. I'm sure he danced Zanku at that point when he saw the, 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 the ram. But then Jesus gave his only begotten son. He was willing because he loves you. Can you imagine? He loves you so much that he was willing to sacrifice Jesus for your sake. There's no greater love than this. If I come around and I ask you the kind of things that you have done for love before, the jeans that you have washed because you love the guy, or the Valentine gifts that you have traveled from Accra to Kumasi to go and deliver because of love, People have stories inside their pockets, so you don't know the kind of things that they have done. People that travel to Nigeria because of love, not be small. It's not a joke. People do things, so. I heard of a story, Charlie. The lady said the, kind, the, the way she was washing jeans every week, going to cook, going to clean, only for her to hear later on that she wasn't the one. People have done things. But nothing that you have ever done for love will surpass what Jesus has done for you. He gave his life. He gave his life for you. Think about it. For me in Anaraba, somebody decided that it's okay to die. Somebody decided that it's okay to be hung up on a cross. For nails to be put inside his hands. Even when a pin pricks you, you feel the pain. And somebody died because he loves you. Simple love. Love that we throw it about every day. I love you. Somebody went the extra mile for your sake. And then when it's time for you to give unto him, to give him your time, to give him your heart, to give him your resources, then now you are thinking twice about it. When you are called to come to church, to come and serve in one capacity or the other, you are thinking twice about, hey, I have to go to work. I'll be tired. I have to do this. I'll be tired. If Jesus was going to think about the pain or the fact that he would have to carry the cross on his back and struggle and the tiredness that he would feel for your sake, where would we be? God gave the example, the clearest case example of what it means to give all and the reason why we must give by first giving his son because he loved us. Because he loved us. Hannah gave her only son. Why did she give her only son? Because she understood who it was that she was giving it to. And the feeling that she had for whom she was giving her son up for surpassed the feeling she had for that son. We have to come to the point where the bigger picture the reason for our being, 
that it is, we do it all that we do for Jesus is the reason why. I am standing here today because I had to look past myself and my shyness. You know I'm a very shy person, don't you? Who doesn't know I'm a very shy person? I didn't say you should raise your hand. Please, don't stop that. I looked past... <laughs> I looked past all of that and I said, Jesus, I love you. And I really do. And I came and stood here today. What is, that, what is it that you are willing and ready to give up? What is it that his love is not enough for you to be able to look past and give? To give all. To not just give well. To not just say it's okay to come to church on Sundays. But even though if I leave here, if I come for Wednesday prayer meeting and I leave here at a certain time, I'll struggle to get caught. Because I love God, I will come. It's not, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing, mostly because we've, we've lived our lives such, in such a way that, yes, Jesus loves us unconditionally, but we keep telling ourselves, oh, he will understand. He will understand. As for God, he understands, isn't it? He's a very understanding God. He's understanding because he loves us. He's understanding because he loves us. Our love for him must not be half-hearted. It must not be lackluster. When they say something is lackluster, it means that it lacks a shine. So it's beautiful. You will see a diamond. I know. <laughs> it's beautiful, but it's not shining. Your love must shine. So we can all have diamonds in here, but your diamond must shine. It must have a certain sparkle to it. I have a lot more to say, and I'm surprised I have a lot more to say. I thought that this would be very short, but let me just run. Let me just jump all the way to the end and talk about why we should give well and go the extra mile and give all. So first of all, you're a Christian. It's a command. God expects you to give him your all. Give him your best. So when you're coming to church on Sunday, you wear your best. It's called Sunday best for a reason. When you are called upon to come and lead service, that day you put on your best brothel, your best smiles, everything. You give your best. You see, there is no measure. Like nothing is too small, nothing is too big. So just... The, the joy and the, bub, the, the bubbliness that is coming out of you standing here leading service, it's not insignificant. It means something to God because you are doing it out of the abundance of your heart. It's overflowing because you love him. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too big. There's a script, there's a Proverbs, a, Proverbs 18, 16. It's often used, quoted by prophets and by ministry people when they are talking about your spiritual gifts. It says that your gifts will open doors for you and it will put you before but your giving, there's another version of the Bible that says that your giving will open doors for you. And so, sometimes, I was telling my dad this morning, um, where I sit in class, a man came and, this is the second time that the man came and sat in my seat. And I was mad, because every day I sit there, I wasn't mad, but I wasn't, I wasn't happy that he came and sat in my seat. And then the chair next to, 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 to his that he put, I, I would have sat on, he put his bag on half the table. So I thought that I'll tell him that, please, you are in my seat so that he will move. And then, for whatever reason, I just decided to let go. And then we continued with the class for the day. And then along the line, he would chit-chat, asked me for my notes, took pictures of it. 
Then he got up when we closed from class to leave and then came back and gave me his call card. When I read his designation on the call card, eh, I said, hey, this is the man that I was going to sack from my seat. <laughs> Charlie, the man is a big man in this Ghana city here that I will use for my benefits. And as it benefits me, it shall benefit you too. Amen. So, you're giving. I gave him my seat, albeit half-heartedly, but it opened the door for me. It opened the door for me, or it has shown me that there's a door here that I can open one day, one day, when I need it. So let's, your giving be full. Let it be, let, give well, give all. Don't let your giving have a lot of complaints. Don't let it be begrudgingly. Amen? And then, also, finally, finally, our giving is an altar that we raise before God. And so, there might be something that you did somebody that you spent some time in prayer for, somebody that you visited in the hospital or something, and one day, one day, one day, God will remember you because of that altar of giving that you raised for him. Amen? Amen. All right, shall we pray? I've said a lot today about giving your all, I've said a lot about giving well. But there is no benefit that you will derive from all of this that I have said if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, if you haven't opened up your heart to him and made him your Lord and your personal savior. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much, more than you can imagine, more than you can ever think of. And he loves you so much that he has kept you in good health, given you life, protected you, and brought you to sit here today amongst all these other people. My brother, my sister, will you give your life to Jesus Christ today? Will you surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the author and the finisher of our faith, the reason why you are alive? He loves you. He loves you so much. He wants you to come and be a part of his kingdom. My brother, we are waiting for you. My sister, I am waiting for you. I personally want to hold your hand and introduce you to the Jesus that has made me who I am today. We are still waiting for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you and he wants you to be part of him in a more special way than you are now. We thank you for today. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercies. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you love us so much. 
that you do above and beyond all that we could ever think of, all that we could ever ask, all that we could ever imagine. Glory and honor be unto your holy name, dear Jesus. We pray, O oh God, that you will let this word be seeds that are sown in the soil of our hearts. That, Lord, we will give our all unto you. Lord, that we will give well. That, Father, we will stand out wherever it is that, Lord, we are called upon. Father, take all the glory. Be glorified. Be thou exalted in our midst now, Jesus. We thank you for your love. We thank you and we commit the week into your hands. We pray, dear Lord, that you will reign supreme. In Jesus' name, we pray, oh God, that you will give us opportunities as well to give well and to give our all unto you in this church and into the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Too much, oh, too much, oh,